to Prime by Cortex, a podcast that interviews different creator studio uh, game designers and also does system discussion episodes. I'm your host, uh, Kirby Lambert, and with me today is my co-host. Hey, it's JT Domino. And today we're going to be talking about distinctions, and we're also going to Prime and IP, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the episode. Uh, but uh, we, JT and I wanted to uh, talk about distinctions today, which hopefully this will be a distinct conversation. We'll see. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, uh, we'll add a laugh track there. Uh, so, JT, uh, what are distinctions? Yeah, so um, distinctions are a uh, trait set from Cortex that uh, basically are used to distinguish characters from one another in terms of describing their background, uh, personalities, or roles in the story. Usually you have uh, three, but that can vary by the system. But basically the most important thing is that it is going to be a brief description of something that's important to the story of your character. Right, and players can expect to roll it often. And in fact, by the book, and you know, with anything cortex it, it doesn't have to be that way but by the book distinctions are actually considered the universal prime set one of the traits that you will be making a role with every time you sit down and make a role and so it's always assumed unless your gm your specific game says otherwise that distinctions are going to somehow play a role in your roles uh, but yeah it's very much like your elevator pitch and distinctions are frankly also just one of the main ways to earn plot points and to be perfectly honest i'm not sure what a cortex game without distinctions would look like necessarily it just seems like it is made to be so universal that you know because it's really just giving uh, information that you might get in other systems through like your character's class or profession or other things any important story details like that that are integral to your character yeah, like even the older Cortex games did it. I, I'm pretty sure they all had distinctions as a trait. And uh, it wasn't always a prime set. It wasn't always a die that you had to roll. Uh, like the Firefly RPG has what I think is a very like robust list of really good distinctions. But also, you didn't have to roll that in your dice bowl for Firefly. And so I think what happens here with... Uh, Cortex Prime making it a sort of like universal thing. My thoughts on that are probably due to the effect die, which uh, is something we'll talk about in another episode perhaps. But uh, in any case, yeah, it's, it's something that you're going to be seeing everywhere. And frankly, it's just a good tool to have an elevator pitch for your character. Right. Yeah. So um, do we want to talk a little bit more about what makes up a distinction or what the different components are? Yeah, so distinctions are going to have like a word or perhaps a short phrase that basically paints a picture about who your character is. Uh, ideally, these three distinctions should be 
well-rounded touching on different facets of your character and the, you know, the book suggests background personality or role in the story. Uh, it could also just be stuff like your catchphrase. Um, and generally, you know, sometimes it's an opportunity for world building and, but we'll talk about that here in a second. And so what makes up a distinction are really just a couple of things, uh, the phrase. Uh, so, you know, I might have a distinction that says amateur podcaster. And usually these distinctions are rated as a D8. And then they all come with a special effects or SFX for short, which we haven't talked about on the show, uh, but we will briefly talk about here in a second what those are, which is the uh, hinder special effects. Uh, and that is essentially where you get a plot point when you switch out the distinctions uh, D8 for D4. Yeah, and uh, like you said, uh, it's basically going to be used to mechanically use to get plot points flowing, you know, so that if you're if you run out of plot points, you will use the hinder SFX to um, introduce some sort of uh, downside to, you know, your character, uh, your character's actions that may complicate things and receive a plot point for it. Yeah, absolutely. And that could be directly related to what that distinction is or in the like uncommon uh, situation where you know you have a player there that's rolling for a situation but just can't think of which distinctions would even really apply here um hinder is just a good fallback you know if they truly don't have a distinction that would reflect the situation better or can't rationalize it uh, they can just hinder themselves for better or for worse but you know I am all in the camp for hindering when uh, when you can, personally, uh, get those plot points. Right, right, yeah. I, I always think that it's kind of more interesting when people fail forward. Um, sometimes it creates new opportunities and stuff, but uh, I guess that's a more philosophical point for different episode or discussion. And uh, I think that's really all that makes up a distinction. You know, in the Cortex Handbook, it's really just a single page uh, talking about this. But uh, distinctions, in my opinion, are very pliable and they also lend opportunities. And I mentioned earlier that I feel like it's a good chance for world building opportunities because whether you're pre-making a game or you're working with players to uh, kind of fill out a new setting that you're just making up together on the fly, uh, you can have distinctions that help with that world building. So, you know, you might have someone that writes down they're the fastest gun in the West and, you know, the table can just accept that as true. And you can have like storylines where that distinction is being challenged. Alternatively, you know, you're, you're writing a new setting for something for the creator studio. And so you're, you may be writing out uh, distinctions that would be pretty apt for your setting. So if you were doing like, I don't know, a cyberpunk setting, you wrote down corporate drone, or if you wrote net down runner, net runner, or if you wrote down uh, wizards, suddenly there's wizards in your cyberpunk setting and you're communicating that to the to the players or anyone that's picking up that material. Yeah. Well, who would put wizards in a cyberpunk game? Am I right? Yeah. Well, I think some people would love it, but only if you're rolling a million D sixes. <laughs> yeah. I hear you on that. Yeah. So I, I think that's a really good point actually, Kirby, because um, it is a very flexible sort of uh, trait 
and it's very narrative based, which is good because it means that um, it can be easily adapted to any sort of game you want to run. And I think it was also a good point that they could either be pre-created distinctions like they have in Firefly or with uh, Cortex Prime, you can actually just sort of have players come up with them freeform and just work with them to make sure that it fits into the game you're trying to run. And you can come up with your own special effects and things for that distinction. But that way, everyone gets to play a character that they really want to play instead of having to, you know, basically try to fit their idea into a particular archetype, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's also just like an opportunity to kind of keep things simple Uh, because, you know, I I made a reference that you could just have a wizard distinction, right? Um, so court, there's no like one way to do things in Cortex, right? So, uh, you know, if you wanted to have like a spellcaster or Jedi or whatever have you, who's doing all these uh, crazy abilities and stuff, you you could just do power sets and abilities. But I think distinctions are a fun way to kind of keep that simple. Like you could just you could just have a wizard uh, wizard distinctions because of that distinction that a given player is able to cast fireball, right? Or mage hand or whatever have you. And you can just keep it super simple like that if the table if that's what the table wants to do. Yeah, the only the only thing would be uh, whether or not you wanted to give uh, particular types of spells or abilities like their own uh, their own special effects or stuff like that. Because if you did that with a distinction then that would mean that you know whenever you're doing a spell you would use your wizard distinction but it wouldn't look any mechanically different if you're casting fireball or an invisibility spell or whatever and it wouldn't have or it wouldn't necessarily have any mechanical impact on the game it would probably just be more narrative in that case yeah definitely and you know it could play different roles in your game. It could just be set dressing or it could have more of an impact. And speaking of special effects, uh, let's talk about that for a second, because I think in terms of special effects, which is its own thing that can be placed elsewhere in Cortex, I feel like it fits very comfortably and very well under the umbrella that is distinction traits. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that uh, you're basically going to find a number of special effects for any distinction. We already mentioned the uh, hinder special effects, which can be used to get the plot points by uh, stepping down your distinction to a a D4. But uh, basically, special effects are there to allow you to do things that don't necessarily fit in with the rules by default. They sort of allow you to sort of like bend or break certain rules in exchange for a cost, which is often like a plot point, or there might be uh, another condition that you have to meet besides that. But the idea is that you basically are paying or activating it in order to get a special effect, an ability to influence the story. Yeah, and we'll probably do a separate episode on special effects, but as it relates to distinctions and what we could be doing with distinctions, it's also yet another opportunity to have a little bit of granularity, if that's what you want. Uh, it also can reinforce what distinction is like all about, right? You know, a person with the uh, investigative journalist distinction might have special effects that get them into places that they normally wouldn't be able to uh, because, you know, 
some places will welcome a journalist, right? Um, or a journalist might have afforded some skills, uh, which I think is another thing we should talk about here in a second, that would get them into places or get them insight that they normally wouldn't have. And so I think a more like elaborate example of this is like, say we're doing like a Marvel game, right? Which, you know, we had Marvel Heroics, a Cortex Plus game that's unfortunately no longer in print. But if you can imagine like uh, the Incredible Hulk and uh, let's see, the Incredible Hulk and let's say Thor, right? Both incredibly strong characters. So they might have a distinction in a hypothetical game where you're doing a completely different setup than Marvel Heroics, where they have like godlike strength or whatever have you. And so special effects is an opportunity to kind of uh, say that, you know, the Hulk can just spend a plot point and just demolish a building you know they spend the plot point it's done whereas thor might not have that special effect thor is still super strong he could still attempt to destroy a building but thor's going to have to roll for it whereas hulk just does it because hulk smashes yeah thor might have a special effect that maybe allows him to uh throw his hammer to like move around more quickly or something like that i don't know that's just off the top of my head but uh yeah it can be used to distinguish Two people that have similar uh, traits or abilities from one another. Right. And speaking of using distinctions to distinguish uh, differences and such, one of the things that is most commonly done with distinctions are highlighting other traits. Like with any Cortex game, for the most part, you're usually making a pool out of your different uh, traits that apply to a role. But uh, so distinctions can work along with other traits like for example skills like we were alluding to a little bit earlier so that when you do have your investigative uh journalist distinction and then maybe you have like a research skill or a stealth skill or something like that you know where it might come in handy to be either sneaking around or you know researching some facts for your next scoop they can both come into play together yeah, definitely. And uh, that's not the only thing you do with distinctions. Out of the handbook itself, we already see different things. But uh, before we move on to what those like other things you can be doing, in the Cortex handbook, they do state that you can be rating distinctions. So it can be like any other trait set, because normally distinctions are your D8s, right? But you can say that like, oh, well, it can do three three d8s or you can have one that's at d6 another at d8 or another at d10 if for some reason you want some sort of granularity there yeah for sure you actually can sort of uh change distinction ratings to over the long term if i'm not mistaken kirby uh with advancements and things like that yeah if that's something your game is doing um as like an unlockable or uh, what your game uh, what your game moderator has put on the menu for your advancements as also another approach that you can take. With regards to like other things that could be fo folding under the umbrella, we have uh, we have three pre-made settings in the Cortex handbook, right? Hammerheads is the most publicly available one. And in that one, you know, distinctions have their special effects and they're like pre-written special effects, although it doesn't have to be pre-written and they're all soon to be unlocked. Uh, you could do games where you have uh, multiple special effects, but they're, they are perhaps locked until you advance your character. In addition, we have the 
Eidolon alpha setting. And that's interesting because, you know, your first distinction that you pick is the Enarch uh, that you have, which uh, I guess I'm not an expert in that particular setting, but it's, it's pretty much like Pokemon, right? And uh, for that first distinction, they've actually folded. It's actually like a, a hybrid of, yes, it's a distinction, but it's also your power set which is normally a completely different trait set, uh, which I actually really like a lot. For sure, yeah. You can definitely do a lot with combining distinctions with uh, other traits in order to uh, make abilities or other stuff for your character work in slightly different ways from one another. So yeah, I think that uh, pretty much covers all of the uh, fundamentals about distinctions, Kirby. Uh, so why don't we uh, transition a little bit and let's talk about how distinctions work in practice, because I know that we uh, brought some examples with us for this episode. Yeah, so we've mentioned before that for episodes, we want to occasionally have a segment where we prime something, right? An existing IP, a mashup of IPs, or even just our own work. Uh, and so for this episode, we are actually going to prime Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah, and uh, I'm excited because I love that show. And uh, I know you can't see it, nor can our listeners, but I'm actually wearing an Atlas shirt to mark the occasion for this episode. So, <laughs> so there you go. Right. So uh, how JT and I are going to do this is uh, we are going to come at this from two different angles. JT and I worked separately. Uh, to kind of devise what our own character sheets and our own ideas are for given like IP. And uh, yeah, JT, you want to start us off by saying what trait sets you have going on and how you're approaching gameplay here? So yeah, so I was thinking about how I would do Avatar The Last Airbender in uh, Cortex. And so obviously, you know, you're going to have some basic stuff um, like you're going to want, or I was thinking about like, what sort of things would you need to know in a Atla game? And so I was thinking, well, you know, obviously people are going to want to know if you can actually bend something or not. And it's going to be relevant sort of like where you come from potentially, because that'll generally tell you what element you're associated with, if at all. So what I actually came up with first was instead of something like attributes, I decided that would be fun to do something more like approaches. So my idea was to take the four elements and sort of turn them into the four attributes or approaches. Um, so I actually have water, which is for uh, things that are more flexible or subtle um, and comforting sort of stuff. And then I have earth, which is going to uh, be more uh, careful and enduring. And then you have a uh, fire, which is going to be for things that are more like flashy, aggressive or passionate. And uh, with air, you're going to have things that are more quick, sneaky or spontaneous. So, you know, between, you know, depending on what sort of uh, approach you're taking with any given action, you could use one of those elemental approaches and uh, they would all have um, different ratings, you know, so, you know, you would have mostly uh, D8s, but then you might have one at D10 and one at D6 to represent a, like a particular strength or like a weakness. Then I decided that I'd like to combine that with skills. So I actually just kind of used the um, 
skills from uh, the uh, core rulebook and I just pared it down a little bit. I figured that there would be um, fix, notice, throw, treat, craft, focus, labor, survive, fight, influence, operate, perform, and then drive, move, sneak, and trick. Uh, I didn't bother putting no in there because I figure like with approaches, you know, you can just sort of cover like trying to know something with like the way that you're doing it and the relevant skill to like what you're trying to know. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't bother including that. And, you know, there's no real flying for the most part in Avatar, or at least, you know, it's not going to be something that's like universal for all the characters. So like unless you had a flying bison or like you make a flying machine like you see in the show then you're probably not going to really need a particular skill for fly. And you can probably honestly just use drive or operate, depending on whether or not you're, you're uh, like doing an animal or a, uh, or a machine. Obviously, as you know, and this is the point of the episode, sort of, we're going to have distinctions. And so in order to determine whether or not you're a bender, you would have to take a distinction that you are a bender first. So you would have something like an earthbender distinction with a quick description of what that means, basically, and you'll have some potential special effects for that. Uh, And then in addition, I was going to use the uh, abilities mod from Cortex Prime. And so then you would have things like uh, hydrokinesis and pyrokinesis and uh, sort of earth manipulation and uh, air manipulation those actually come with some pretty cool ideas for uh, special effects that come with them Uh, so for example for hydrokinesis you could um, create bubbles of air to allow others to survive underwater for a plot point and basically what i figured is that you could just sort of have the list of different special effects and you can just you know sort of like start adding them on as you advance with your character, you know, cause you're going to have uh, a hindrance type of thing, but then you can, uh, y- you can then sort of like unlock as you uh, progress and, and get different abilities. Um, you can also, when it's not m- mechanically important, you can also add in more to the description of your ability in terms of like, what can you can accomplish with it? So like if you're a waterbender, can you do like a water whip, like they do in the show, you know, you could add that in as a thing that you could do. Um, you can, you know, can you, you know, freeze the water in order to like keep your enemies in place sort of thing. So those are all just uh, options that I figured that would be flexible enough to really allow people to make the setting without having to do too much fiddling. Basically, my my goal was to try to do Avatar as best as I could with what's in the book without having to make any special hacks or alterations if I could. And uh, I think I pretty much was able to do that pretty easily. I think that uh, Cortex Prime really works uh, well for Avatar and related uh, IPs. I definitely like that setup a lot. And I especially like the approaches that you took to, well, approaches, which... (laughs) You know, approaches aren't officially in the Cortex book, but you can easily import them, uh, which, you know, comes from Fate and other games, uh, you know. Uh, But what I especially like uh, about it here in this setting is because, you know, an avatar, we mostly see it with the avatar himself or herself, if, you know, we're talking about Korra. 
it is built in lore where they struggle with a single elements in their journey to learning those elements. And, you know, this is kind of implied to be sort of personality driven to an extent uh, and just how they generally like to approach things. And, you know, we see it very dramatically different between Korra and Aang in the show. Uh, but yeah, I really like that uh, for the Avatar player at the very least is going to really enforce that. Yeah, that was my thinking for the most part. And uh, I mean, yeah, approaches is a little bit different from anything in the book, but I just figured it almost takes the place of like an attribute sort of thing, you know? So instead of having, you know, like uh, body, mental, social, or like strength, dexterity, constitution, you just have like these different, like sort of like personality approach facets to the character. Yeah, I like that a lot. And uh, what kind of character creation are we looking at here? Yeah, so um, basically I was going to have certain things, obviously, you're going to have to have fleshed out. Like you, you're probably going to want to have like your like earth bending ability or whatever, because you can just, you know, re rephrase the name for it. So instead of, you know, hydrokinesis, you would call it like water bending, right? And basically you have to take the distinction of waterbender as a permission to then be able to use the waterbending ability. Basically, what we're looking at is sort of more of an archetype system. And, uh, you know, there are permissions involved, like you're going to want to do, you know, an, a distinction if you're going to be a uh, waterbender, earthbender, firebender, etc. Uh, and then each of those, you know, are going to be related to the abilities. And, you know, you're going to have your list of different types of special effects that you can associate with that. And potentially just give a list of a few example uses of water bending or fire bending just for like the description side of things. And then obviously, you know, as you advance, you're going to add more of that stuff on. Those abilities are going to be rated so that they can increase. So like, uh, you know, if you had a uh, if you had like a six and a, an ability, then, you know, you're just using it for like small things. But then as you practice and grow with your bending ability, you know, you'll be able to do more advanced techniques. You'll be able to affect a larger area or more people. And eventually you can become so destructive potentially that you could, you know, if you're a waterbender, maybe you can cause a flood that uh, could like destroy a village or something like that, you know? So, so, you know, we see a lot of that sort of stuff with some of the advanced benders can do a lot of damage with their abilities if they so choose. Yeah, and what I like about having the abilities and special effects like broken like that or broken down like that is that you know that's going to be perfect for the player who's joining in on your game that maybe hasn't watched avatar the last airbender and so you they might have a general gist of what's happening but having those special effects like really paints in the words like what those benders are specifically able to do in the show yeah, yeah, for sure. I figured that uh, also because, you know, in the show, we see that characters specifically learn and practice different techniques. Like you see, for example, Katara trying to learn how to do different things with water. And she doesn't really have instruction because like all of the benders in the tribe have like left to go off to war. Um, so she's like practicing and trying to come up with her own stuff. And over the course of the show, she grows more and more powerful until she's probably the most powerful waterbender that there is by the end. So I, I, I did like the idea of the powers being able to grow and the potential to be able to add on techniques in both a narrative and mechanical sort of way as you learn and grow. Nice. Uh, so I took a 
I think a very different approach here. So I've, I've actually ran Cortex with Avatar Last Airbender before, but I want to talk about what I did for that because I was playing around with some ideas. And frankly, I the way I approach priming stuff is just, am I doing one shot or is this going to be like a long form thing? I, I do it completely different. That's um, fair. Yeah. So the sort of recipe I've cooked up t- uh, for this is... I'm actually am going to go with attributes, uh, mental, physical, social uh, distinctions with special effects and not just like a distinction for or and not just like special effects for like the bending. Um, all of these distinctions are going to have special effects that you can unlock as your character grows. But that first distinction is kind of in line with what you were doing. It's going to cover whether you're a bender or what nation you, you hail from. The second distinction is just kind of like your background, like maybe you're a fisherman or maybe you're a friend of the Avatar. A third distinction is more just about your personality. So uh, I also want to have relationships with trait statements as a prime set here. I additionally have two more sets that are not prime sets. Uh, So I decided to go with no skills, just specialties. And I'll talk about why I did that here in a second. And also signature assets. Uh, you know, signature assets are like the boomerang or uh, Appa, right? Uh, who both of which are just the stars of the show anyways. But yeah, uh, in any case, uh, so that's the kind of tree set that I built out. I originally went into this looking to make more of a Kyoshi game uh, because for listeners who aren't aware there are books for avatar last airbender that center around kiyoshi and her rise and what was going on with her when she was the avatar and that is a different kind of sort of story but at the end of the day i didn't feel like it was different enough to warrant breaking uh kiyoshi kiyoshi's stuff down um and I won't really get into that because I, I have thoughts on that that would frankly just be uh, spoiler territory. So I'll navigate uh, I'll navigate away from that. But character creation would for this hypothetical game be pathways. And so my thinking is, you know, we already have a built setting, but we'll use pathways to not only improve the traits here, uh, but also kind of paint the overarching story of where this this particular avatar story is going to go for your table because you know when we look at the original avatar the last airbender we have a clear idea of where they're going like right from the outset why they're going there and such and so this is an opportunity to kind of highlight those locations for a player to introduce a location that they specifically want to go to or say that they have a friend over here and that kind of things and they can also use this as an opportunity with regards to the relationship uh, trait statements uh, as relationships to one another but also relationship traits um aren't just about relationships to one another. Uh, It's also about relationships with GMCs. So you can have that sort of uh, relationship where, you know, Zuko is still like trying to hunt down the avatar. And so Aang's going to have that relationship die with Zuko and vice versa. Zuko being a major GMC in this hypothetical game is going to have a relationship with the Avatar and that trait statement is obviously going to be challenged, right? He would probably have a trait statement that's like, I must 
hunt down the avatar to restore my honor. And so he's going to have that statement challenged again and again uh, throughout the series. And so that's the kind of approach I was taking with that. Now, uh, this build of mine um, also lets normal non-bender characters shine without going too deep in the weeds over bending prowess because you do have characters who... You're, you're going to have characters who aren't benders, right? Um, we see that in the Avatar show. We see that, I think, less so in Korra in terms of, like, the main gang. Actually, that's inaccurate to say. But in any case, uh, you know, if someone wants to play, like, a socket-like character or uh, Eero or even just whatever have you, uh, they're not going to be outshined by all the flashy stuff that's uh, the benders are going to be able to do, which is part of the reason why, like all my distinctions, are going to have special effects that you can apply to any of the distinctions, not even just like the bender stuff uh, that lets you just do stuff. Now, I chose to do no skills, just specialties, because to me, like overall, it didn't really matter who was like particularly skillful and stuff, except when it came to like the fighting. I almost went with roles with this, but uh, kind of like you, uh, when you were saying that, you know, you wanted the moment where like uh, these characters are growing in their prowess, I wanted to have the ability to uh, let characters try to master their specific thing. But, you know, I also have to acknowledge like the non-benders that might be into that, right? And so, you know, I guess a spoiler for Sokka's storyline, he has a whole thing where he's where he's trying to figure out like was he actually good at in the group what kind of role he plays and this is actually in like a later season and so he actually ends up mastering the blade right uh and so you also have ang in general who needs to get better at bending so that he can do the final showdown we also see this in kiyoshi and we also see this in legends of korra and so it's a very important like subplot for any avatar character bender or not so i decided that no skills just specialties was probably a better way to do that because i couldn't think of a skill list that i was particularly satisfied uh, with having um, but i like the idea of having that growth so no skills just specialties was a good way to do that and if you're not familiar that's specifically a mod where you know players just write down what uh, what's specific thing they're good at right and then in terms of like other elements of gameplay if you know you have that big bad evil guy that the team is training to beat them down in a showdown but you want them to also be like a recurring villain you can also consider using the scale die until the player characters are good enough quote unquote to defeat them in which case you know when you hit that final showdown just get rid of the scale die and they no longer have the scale die and uh, they're actually on even footing and you know it might not be a guaranteed win for that bad bad guy and there's also just like general potential use for the boss mechanics and so that was my approach to avatar the last airbender so i really really like the way you did a lot of that stuff and i should mention that um i had thought about stuff like signature assets too i didn't mention it for mine but i did because i did want to you know, Sokka to be able to have his, uh, you know, like space sword or his uh, his boomerang or whatever. And I, I did want to make sure that non-benders could shine too. So, you know, they would have their own distinctions. And I was even considering maybe doing some sort of ability with like martial stuff, like with swords or martial arts or whatever. What I really like actually was your idea to do the specialties without the skills. 
And I wish I had thought of that, you know, because when I was doing it, I was like, okay, you know, I need a new uh, trait set and, you know, to work with these approaches. And I just, you know, kind of was like, okay, skills. And, you know, there were examples in the book that I figured would work and I could use it without changing much. But I really actually agree now that you've said it that for Avatar, the focus really wasn't so much like any particular type of activities that they were good at, but like they had their like one thing or whatever, there are a couple of things where they really shined at. So like Sokka with his sword or, you know, people had, you know, their ability to, I don't know, draw in one case, I think. Um, But anyway, besides the point that I think that I would also do specialties rather than skills now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, Um, well, it's it's a good thing that you like pared down the skill list because uh, since you're using approaches, I feel like, you know, an approach can already give a different spin to a skill. So there wasn't a need to use the like default, what, 19 skills are in the Cortex handbook. Yeah. Um, but yeah, actually, with regards to like Sokka with the sword, like obviously Sokka could just have a signature asset um, of like his space sword. Right. And, you know, if he wants to show that he gets better at it, he can do uh, an upgrade to where he goes from a D6 to a D8 signature asset. But I think it is more flavorful to have him have like a separate specialty where like that kind of like uh, shows his arc there, uh, which, you know, if we did this in gameplay could take two to three sessions uh, where, you know, he has the signature asset or he doesn't have it just yet. And he also doesn't quite have like the sword swinging skill in hand. So is that like a lower die rating? And so both just kind of uh, get dialed up in that fashion. Yeah, no, I really, I really like that. Also, I thought it was interesting. Uh, you're using relationships because, you know, in point of fact, relationships are very important to both of the, uh, avatar shows so far both Korra and last airbender i hadn't gone that way just because i was sort of thinking about if i were running it as more of an action-oriented thing right but like if you wanted to focus a lot more on like the interpersonal dramas that take place like they do in the show then i think that that's a fantastic way and like i wouldn't want to do too much uh trait set bloat but you know, I could see that you could c- combine a lot of these different things or like use different combinations of our ideas to basically do the sort of avatar game you want. Yeah. And like uh, I went with relationships with trait statements um, as a sort of compromise because I had contemplated doing values, right, which would have been apt in some avatar games, right? Uh, but to me, like when I think back on the show or when I think back to the Kyoshi books or the comics or Legends of Korra, like, you know, value statements are completely valid way to have done it. However, I feel like a lot of those values like really only mattered as it related to other people. You know, we have Zuko who is constantly challenged on his honor. Um, right by Eero. Uh, we have Aang who, you know, struggled with uh, his own identity and what was going on. And that was always in context with what someone else was explaining to him. So I felt like, uh, cause you know, I also want to avoid like the trait bloats. I, I don't want to have like too many traits on a given character sheet personally. Uh, and so 
I also just struggled with figuring out like what was a good list that would be uh, satisfying for values. So I, I feel like I could still have the power of values, um, but through the lens of relationships. Oh yeah, no, I like it. And I know you mentioned the uh, scale die for potentially for like a big bad, but I could also see that even working as a relationship, either to like a particular antagonist that is recurring, or it could even be something like, you know, a lot of the characters in the show are very, have like a very love hate or mostly hate relationship with the fire nation. So you could even have a thing where it's like a relationship with the particular faction or nation itself too, that could motivate people's actions. So they could get dies when dealing with that stuff. Oh, yeah, that would actually be very apt for Kiyoshi and the people that surrounds Kiyoshi in her books. Uh, but yeah, that's Avatar The Last Airbender primed two different ways. At the time of this recording, there's like at least three, four other people that are at least vocally doing stuff with avatar too and you know frankly those are probably three or four different approaches already which is all to say like yet again like court there's no two ways to necessarily do a game yeah like 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 i said before too like a lot of our ideas are not necessarily mutually exclusive and you could mix and match them as you wanted yeah definitely so, uh, yeah, I think that's about it for our show on distinctions. If you have any questions or feedback, you know, feel free to drop us a line. Uh, you can email at us at uh, pbcpodcast at d20radio.com. We're on uh, Twitter as at Prime by Cortex. Uh, we've got a Facebook group up now. Feel free to join that and continue discussions there. Um, and feel free to ask us questions there, too. Uh, and we're also on the D20 radio discord and we have, you know, we personally are members of the official cortex discord. We don't run it or anything, but we're around there too. Any other, any other ways you can think of to contact us, uh, Kirby? No, I think that about covers it and anything that we didn't cover and all the things that we just covered will be in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, what do you think about our Avatar The Last Airbender hacks? Uh, let us know. Feel free. Uh, did you like one idea better than the other? Did you think that we should maybe mix and match those a little bit? Yeah, we'd love to hear what your thoughts are. We will see you next time a couple weeks from now. And hope everyone uh, has a fun time playing Cortex. Oh, by the way, I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Iro, but... Uh, that's fine. You know, I was mostly worried about accidentally mispronouncing Aang's name the way M. Night Shyamalan did it. <laughs> oh, God. And I, I hate yeah. it because I've done it before where I'm like, Ong, and I was mostly worried about that. That's fair. No, no worries. I just was mentioning it, but... That's fine. They can yeah. tweet at me. Yeah.